Hello, IES teens. I'm so excited to be here today, and especially because I, uh, I was once a teen, right? <laughs> and um, from getting ready to speak to you guys today, I was sort of thinking about when I was a teenager, you know, and I just felt the best thing to share with you guys is part of how I went through my teenage years and part of how some of what I will share based on that experience would help you today. And as you continue to live as a young person. Yeah. I'm so happy that uh, Pastor Josh gave, and, and his team gave me this opportunity. And I just hope that um, the Holy Spirit will help you to observe the points I'm bringing to you today. Well, so, well, basically, I titled my, my message, Teenage Right. You know, I mean, you could also read it as Teenage Right. You know, so however you look at it, basically what I'm trying to say is, I want you to think of this period of time in your life as a good opportunity for you to live right. You know, as, a, as an opportunity for you to actually bring glory to God and bring uh, encouragement and excitement to the people that you interact with. And so I'm gonna be um, bringing these points home from three angles, yeah? So, and all these angles are based on relationships. So basically how we treat one another. You know, as a young person, one of the things I remember is that all of a sudden you wake up one day and you realize that you're bigger and you're stronger, you know? And you also realize that all of a sudden you, you've developed this ability to make decisions for yourself. And you, you seem to begin to think that, oh, I can actually just live my own life independent of everyone else, you know? And then all of a sudden you begin to realize that, I mean, it begins to appear to you almost as if everyone else is not getting it right and you understand it better than everyone else. And then you begin to look at your parents like, why can't they understand this? Why are they a little bit old fashioned and all of that, you know? So all these things going on in your head and then also your body changes, which is like the very obvious part of it and all of that. So in a way, being a teen is a complicated time. And why it's really unique for me to talk to you guys today is, you know, Nathan is very close to becoming a teen. And what we talk about it all the time, like why Nathan always asks, why is a 12 year old not a teen? <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's just good to talk to you guys, you know. So the other thing I like about being a teen is that is also when you get really excited about wanting to change the world. You see, so you look at what is going on and you think in your heart, oh man, why, why do people allow things like this to happen? I, I want to do something about it. I mean, when I grow up, I'm going to do something about it, you know. So it's a good time. Yeah, you, you have this excitement, you have the energy, you have all these changes and everything. And what, I'm, what I want to encourage you to do today is make sure that you bring all this energy and excitement to do something good for yourself, for your family, 
for your church, for your community, and for society at large. Okay? So, in terms of being a good teen or teenaging right, you know, growing up and living as a teen the right way, there are three important points I want you to think of. Number one, you have to remember that you did not just drop down from the sky. Yeah, you're part of a family, okay? And you have to remember that your parents, your mom, your dad, even your grandparents, they also are a part of a family. Okay? And you also have to notice that in addition to your family, you also belong to several communities, one of which is the IES teens from which I'm speaking to you today. And then your school and other communities that you participate in. Just remember that God allowed you to experience all of this because he has something that he's put in you that he expects you to contribute, okay? So in your family and in your communities, I want to encourage you to remain active. Don't be a passive member of your family or a passive member of your community. You cannot just let your teenage years go by without remembering this is what I did with my life at that point. One of the things I did with my life as a teenager was I realized that peer pressure was a very big issue for teens. And I noticed that most times the peer pressure that you experience or that was always available was on the negative side or maybe not always on the positive side. So I made up my mind and I said, well, if peer pressure influences teens a lot, I want to be one of those teens that contribute positive peer pressure, you know? So I said, oh, okay. Um, instead of like after school, we, we don't have anything else to do. Instead of like wasting the time or gossiping or engaging in activities that would not really do us any good. Why not we get together as teens and study, you know? And it, it brought a lot of good, you know? I know, I know a lot of people that, I don't want to say that that was what changed their life, but I know that it contributed. And then for me, how did that help me? You know, when you do things like that, your community begins to see you as someone that has a positive influence. And they affirm it to you and they encourage you. And that makes you want to do more, you see? So it's like, you know, scripture says it this way. You grow from strength to strength, you know? So you do something good and the impact is good and you get encouraged and then you want to do more. The reverse of it is also true. <laughs> if you do something bad, you know, sometimes some people might actually cheer for you for doing something bad and you might look at it as a way to continue and then, you know, it goes bad in that direction negatively. Yeah. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 19, verse 19. Okay, I'm sure that you would have heard people tell you to honor your parents, but I just want to, I want you to listen to how Matthew 19 verse 19 says it. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, remember that your neighbor is not only people that you're geographical, geographically 
uh, in close proximity to. Yeah, your neighbor is anyone you encounter. <laughs> you know, whether it's on on the train, at the mall. You know, so and that leads me to the second point because our neighbor is anyone that we encounter, then that means that we should treat people with respect and decency wherever you encounter them. Even more so because you're called by the name of Jesus. It is expected of you. It is expected of you. I don't want to say it's required of you. The truth is that it is required of you. But I just want us to see it in this frame of thinking for now. It is expected of you to treat people with respect and to be decent at all times. Okay? How do you treat people with respect? You show by your words, your action, and your aspiration that you value these people. And that is the way for the world to see that you belong to Jesus. You, know, you, don't, you don't treat people differently based on their social status or um, where they live or the kind of job they do. You see? You treat people the same, regardless of where they live, what they do, what kind of, uh, where they're placed in society and all of that. Because, you know, it's not just about being a good Christian, it's about being a decent person, okay? And you know that uh, sometimes teens are, being teenagers, sometimes we behave in ways that are not so decent. So like I told you at the, at the beginning, part of that positive influence, I want you to bring positive peer pressure. I want you to be known for is that you're a decent person. Okay. First uh, Peter chapter two, verse 17 puts it this way. Respect everyone. Respect everyone. He didn't say respect this type of people. He says Everyone, respect everyone. I want to encourage you to do that, okay? Yeah, respect everyone. And part of respecting people is actually, you know, as they say, what you do, your character and all of that, it begins from home. So how do you respect your parents? How do you respect your siblings? How do you respect your uncles and your aunties and your grandparents, your siblings, your cousins, in your family, what are you known for? Are you known as the young man that respects everyone? Are you known as the young man that encourages everyone? Or are you known as the, the young man that is so stubborn, no one can get across? You know, so, well, I know that here at IES Kids, we have, I'm sorry, IES Teens, we have wonderful teenagers, you know. So I expect that you're known for being respectful and decent in your family. Okay. So I want to uh, read from 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, just to help us see this respecting people, how does it work? Okay. So number one. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Never speak harshly to an older person. Now you show respect, and that's how you remain a decent person. If someone is older than you, even when you're upset, 
and angry at them, find a way to still show respect. You know, you can disagree respectfully with someone. Okay, so do not speak harshly to other people. And that is number one, your parents. Never speak harshly to your parents. And then, you know, because we are not only part of a family, you're also part of a community, I want to add that you should not speak harshly to your uh, pastors or people that lead the, the church that you participate in. I also want to say that you should not speak harshly to, your, to the people that lead your school and your teachers and all of that. So all of the communities that you participate in, okay? And then for people that are not your parents, that, but are older, the best way to respect them is just treat them the way you would treat your parents. That's what Paul told Timothy in, in uh, 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Okay, so respect older men as if they are your dad and older women as if they are your mom. Okay, and then finally, this part of it is where I know that a lot of teenagers have issues because, you know, you're growing up, you have all these hormones and all of these issues going on. And like I said, one of the unique things about being a teenager is that you all of a sudden begin to notice lots of changes in your life. And one of those changes is you begin to notice that you begin to get attracted to, if you're a boy, to ladies, and if you're a girl, to the boys, you know. So that kind of attraction begins to come up. Yeah, so it, Paul advises Timothy that the best way to manage that res, relationship so that it's respectful and decent is treat all the younger women with purity in your heart. That means the way you think about them should not have any sexual connotation. Yeah, and for me, when I was a teen, this is how I applied the scripture in my life. I said, for me, every other lady I meet, I'm going to treat, to treat them as I would my sister. Yeah, especially in the church, because you don't want to have, you don't want to be the teenager that will create um, an issue in your church by not pursuing wholesome relationship with people of the opposite sex. So I said, oh, for me, I would just have to look at every other lady I see as if they were my sister, okay? And then for you, the ladies in IESTNs, the young girls in IESTNs, it's the same for you. So treat the boys as if they are your brother. It's the same. The benefit of that is that you would not allow yourself to be distracted into having those kind of thoughts that you don't need at this time. Yeah. Ultimately, as you get more mature and you become an adult, then it's a totally different conversation. But if you already form this habit as a teenager, you find out that when you're an adult, you're not going to have issues with being faithful in your relationships. And you're not going to have issues with respecting people. So, third point I want to emphasize is that you should stay pure. That is the way to maintain good relationship as a teenager. You should stay pure. Okay. What I mean by that is this. Watch your thoughts and your alone times. 
okay, those times you're alone, that is actually where your level of purity manifests itself, okay? So for instance, you're alone and you have your internet. What do you look at? What kind of websites do you visit? That is purity, right? Yeah. So watch how you think. Watch your thoughts. Watch what you do when you're alone. Okay. When you're alone and you don't have much to do, instead of getting distracted, instead of getting distracted, focus on what the Word of God says. Okay, Psalms 119 verse 9 says, How can a young person stay pure? How can a teenager stay pure? By obeying God's word. Okay, so spend time in God's word. Read scripture. If reading is not your thing, listen to scripture. Watch videos that talk about scripture. One of the ones I like to watch is from the Bible Project. You know, they, they sort of give you overviews about a, a book in scripture or a part of scripture. And it's really good because it creates that mental image of what the word of God says in that part of scripture. So you can do that you know, because keeping your heart pure requires that there is a, a force inside your heart which is created by the word of God that helps you know not to think about things like that, okay? And then if you look at James chapter 1, verse 27, okay? It reads, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and for widows and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Okay, so it means that being generous is a way of keeping yourself pure. <laughs> I know it sounds a little bit like, what? How does generosity connect to purity? Yeah, this is how it works. When you think about other people's needs and you take concrete action to meet those needs, it makes you less selfish, right? The more you think about other people, the more your heart is opening up for the love of God to fill you up. And the more of God's love you have in your heart, there, there will be no room for impure thoughts and imaginations to come. So that is how being a generous person can help you remain pure. Also, not just that, not only that it helps you not to be selfish, it also helps you to realize that you're part of a family, you're part of a community, and everybody you interact with, you can actually touch their lives in a positive way. And by doing so, you are a good representative of Christ. You're a good representative of your family, you're a good representative of the church, and you're a good representative of IES teens. Okay? And obviously, you should not let the world corrupt you. Yeah, that's what I shared with you guys before. Peer pressure for teenagers can be very strong, okay? 
So instead of you being influenced negatively by other teens within your community, why not you become the one that will influence other teenagers within your community with good things? Amen? So everything I've talked to you about hinges on two points. That is God's justice in righteousness. And I want to read from the book of Amos, chapter 4, verse 25. I usually use the NLT. All the verses I've read, they are from the NLT. Okay? So I'll try to paraphrase this, to summarize it so that you can understand. So what God is telling us through prophet Amos is that we should know that what God wants the most from us is not... Um, worship and singing and participating in church activities. It's more of all these activities we participate in, how do they shape our lives? Okay, what God wants us to do is to pursue justice and righteousness. And in God's definition of justice, it goes beyond you do something wrong and then you suffer for it. Yeah, God's justice is bigger than that. Yeah, God's justice goes beyond that, and it involves showing mercy. It involves treating people equitably, doing everything within your power to make sure that people are not denied what they should have in life. And you'll be wondering, as a teenager, how can you do that? Well, you know, you can help do something in your school to stop a bully from always making someone else have a bad day. That is justice. Yeah, because you know, if you don't do it, who is gonna do it? Yeah, if everybody keeps thinking, no, it's okay, this is a bad thing, but someone else is gonna take care of it. And then nobody does, right? Yeah, so that is justice in God's eye. The definition from the Hebrew word mishpat means to do something concrete to change the course of someone else's life in a way that will bring glory to God. That is how Emma's define it. So in other words, justice in God's eye is treating people equitably. Yeah, I'm not, I don't mean equally because there is no way you're gonna treat everybody exactly the same, but you can always treat everybody with certain level of respect and decency, okay? And, that leads us to righteousness. That means living right, okay? So, IES teens, my encouragement to you today is teenage right, okay? Use this part of your life, use this stage in your life to live right, okay? To make your parents smile, to make Pastor Josh and um, Titus and everybody on the IES teens team, to make their, their life and their job easier, you know, <laughs> by being good teens, right? Yeah. And also to be those kind of teens that would make society a better place. Okay. That is my encouragement to you today. Teenage, right. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I thank you for everyone that has listened to your word today. I pray that you would help them to use what they've listened to to apply in their lives and Holy Spirit help them as they make these efforts 
to produce the right fruit in their life. Help them to be actively involved in their family and in their communities in a good way. Help them to see everyone as someone you love, as someone that deserves respect and decency. And Lord, help them to stay pure in their heart and in their behavior. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.